Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. To set the scene in our lead up to Vision Sunday, which is happening, as I've already mentioned, on the 28th of March. Put it in your diaries because it's really important that we are all here leaning in to our next as a church. I thought it was right and fitting that we do a series that would set the tone for Vision Sunday. And so we are looking at this word, refresh. Everyone say refresh. And refresh is about hitting a refresh on the things that matter most. Like most of you, I have a computer. Um, Unlike most of you, I'm computer illiterate. I know just the bare basics. And the other day, my computer froze on me. And I did what every good computer illiterate person my age does. Tapped everything, (laughs) pushed it, slammed it shut and handed it to a young person. And said, my computer is broken, it needs fixing. And so this particular young person happened to be our youth pastor, Dan McGaw. And he said, let me look at it. And within five minutes, he came back to me and it was working perfectly. And I said, oh, thank you so much for fixing my computer. He, he gave me that little wry smile and said, I didn't fix your computer. I just refreshed it. I'm like, what is this new teaching? You can refresh a computer? You mean you don't have to throw it away and get a new one every time something bad happens? You just have to hit the refresh button. And I got really, really excited about this thought that actually we just have to hit the refresh button. And I don't know about you, but 2020 has caused a global shaking inside the church and outside the church. And as a result of this shaking, and I wanna say, it's not all the devil, God is involved in this shaking that is taking place right now. But if we're not careful, the shaking and all the things that are going on can cause us to drift away from God's plan and we can get distracted and we can get gripped by fear. And as I've said many times before, quoting from the great Apostle Paul, he says, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Now that doesn't mean you don't have a spirit of fear. It just means that God didn't give it to you. And if you have a spirit of fear, you gotta understand it came from somewhere and some other place other than God. And Paul was saying to this young man, Timothy, I want your life to be anchored. I want it to be grounded in the power of God. I want it to be grounded in the love of God. I want it to be grounded in the thinking of God. And that's what this series really is all about. It's us stopping the drift. And if we're honest, we all tend to drift. And this series really is about a refresh, a reset and a realignment on our priorities. In other words, what matters most? We see the Scriptures are full of reset moments. Noah had a reset moment. God sent a flood and reset the earth. There was so much corruption. Things had gone so horribly wrong. God put a reset button on the earth through sending the flood. We see that in Moses' life, Moses thought, I know know what to do. I know God's plan for my life. And he took matters into his own hands and he killed an Egyptian. And he thought he was doing the will and the plan and the purpose of God. But then uh, he got scared because people actually found out that he killed this particular Egyptian. And so he fled to the desert and he was there for 40 years. And there was a reset in Moses' life. 
So much so, he went from thinking, I can do it, to I can't do it anymore. And God's saying, actually, that's exactly where I want you. Reset. Jonah had a reset as he sat in the belly of a fish for three days. I don't know about you, but I've never been in the belly of a fish and I don't ever wanna go into a belly of a fish. But I can imagine if you were there, it's a great time to think and push the reset button on your life. And you've got to ask, if you were in the belly of a fish, you'd probably ask yourself this one question, how on earth did I get here? And maybe some of you right now are asking yourself this very question, how on earth did I get here? I never thought my life would be where it is right now. And if that is where you are right now, then I want you to know you're in a good place. And this is a great time at the beginning of 2021 for us to put the reset button on our lives and put into order things that matter most. You see, I firmly believe with all of my heart that significance requires the ability to regularly refresh our priorities. And I wanna do that as a church at the beginning of this year, 2021. And I say the beginning of this year, the reality is we've already had two months. This year is going way too fast for my liking. Is there anyone else here who agrees with that in the room this morning or maybe watching online? And I wanna look over the next four weeks at four major responses that ensure a significant Christian life. And the first major response is this, that we might live purposed. Everyone say purposed. That we might live purposed. I remember uh, many years ago, one of our kids coming to me in tears. And maybe many of you parents can relate to this moment. They came to me in tears. I won't mention which child it was, but they came to me in tears and they said, Dad, they hit me. See, I didn't give away the agenda. I didn't give away the name. They hit me. They hit me. And then they added this. And it's so funny. They said, and they did it on purpose. Any parents ever heard that? And I'll never forget the first time I heard that as a parent. I thought, wow, at least I have purpose. Because we're all about purpose. But then I realised purpose alone is not enough. It has to be redirected. And I remember thinking, wow, I better have a talk with this child of mine and redirect some of that purpose. Redirect some of that energy. Redirect some of that strength. And that's what Paul is addressing in Romans chapter 12, verse two, when he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, perfect and pleasing will. We've been talking a lot about the Kingdom over the last three weeks. And there's this clash of cultures. There's our culture and there's our will. And then there's God's culture and there's God's will. And we have to realign our thinking with His ways, with His Word and with His will. And, And that's what this series is about. Us pushing the reset button on our hearts, on our minds, in our lives, in order to live for Kingdom purpose. Whether you know this or not, you were chosen for kingdom purpose. You were chosen for something bigger than you and yours. You were chosen for something much, much more. And God wants us to align with His purpose so that our time here on planet Earth can count. We only get one shot at life. There's no dress rehearsal. This is it. The lights are on. We're on stage and we want to make it count. 
Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, I've already referred to this, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, Paul says to Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us. Maybe you wanna underline those two words, saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which He has given us in Christ Jesus before time began. I love this passage of Scripture and it's one of my go-to passages. I love this thought that God has not only saved us. Let's be honest, we all love God saving us. We all love God helping us. I thank God that salvation comes to us as a free gift from God to planet Earth. It comes as a free gift from heaven to us. And I'm so grateful. Is there anyone who's in the room today that's grateful for the gift of salvation? We did nothing to earn it. We did nothing to deserve it. It was given to us on a platter. God, before the time began, had this plan to redeem humanity. And some 2,000 years ago, He hung upon a cross with you and I in mind. Mindful that we couldn't help ourselves. And so He did something we couldn't do for ourselves. And we did nothing to earn it. We did nothing to deserve it. And the good news this morning, if you are not a Christian, if you're not a believer this morning, there's a free gift of salvation available to you. The Bible says it this way, all those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess that He is Lord shall be saved. You say, oh, but my past, that's why He came, because of your past, because of my past, and you can be saved. I don't deserve it. That's right. What do I have to do to earn it? Nothing. All you're gonna do is surrender and you'll receive this free gift called salvation. He saved us. But then Paul says to this young man, Timothy, he's not only saved us, but he called us. In other words, He saved us for a purpose. He wants us to do something for Him as His ambassadors while we are here on planet Earth. In other words, salvation is God's gift to us, but our calling is self-surrender. And self-surrender is our gift to God. Salvation is His gift to us, but self-surrender is our gift to Him. We don't do works for salvation, but out of gratitude for what He's done for us, we do the works of salvation. And Paul says, I am a prisoner. We talked about that last week. And he was in prison and he was suffering. And what is Paul's response to this young man, Timothy? He doesn't say, Timothy, it's hard, man. If if you can run, get away. Hey man, just, just, just leave. This is what Paul says, as a prisoner, as someone who's in pain, as someone who's been um, cast aside, as someone who's been whipped, someone who's been stoned, someone who's been beaten by rods. He says this to this young man, hey, come and join me. Join me in this high calling. Join with me in His purpose. It's according to His purpose, Paul says. In other words, not my purpose. I mean, if we're honest, if things were left to us, we would probably drift towards comfort. We would drift towards fun. We would drift drift towards those things that we enjoy doing. 
left to our own devices. But Paul was speaking to this young man and through his word, he's speaking to us today. Join with him as a prisoner of the Lord. Find your purpose and use that purpose to serve God and His ways in this time. And in order for that to happen, there's a couple of things we like to do. You know, I'm a very practical guy. And so I wanna look at three things very quickly of how you and I can live a more purposed life. And in order to live a more purposed life, the first thing is this, that we need to increase our kingdom focus. To live a more purposed life, we need to increase our kingdom focus. What I've noticed in life is that people tend to live at one of three levels. And you'll probably find yourself in one of these three levels. And the first one is that survival mode. Survival mode. People that just get by. People that are existing more than living. People that make just enough money to get to the weekends and they live for the weekends. Maybe there's something tragic has happened to you and, and, and you're just keeping your head above water. Maybe you're experiencing a relational breakdown and you're in survival mode. And if that is you this morning, I want you to know, whether you're in the room or watching online, you're in a good place because God is here to help you. And God is here for you in survival mode. But this I categorically know, God doesn't want you to stay in survival mode. But there are many people, and I dare say even in this room, that are living in survival mode right now. And sometimes we have to do that. I know for me back in 2016, for me, as I was fighting for my life through a blood infection, I, I was in survival mode. So there is a time and there is a place. And maybe because of things that happened to you in your past, you've come, you're a little bit burnt out, you're a little bit worn out, you're a little bit jaded. Maybe you've been part of a religious system that's kind of hurt you or, or worn you out and you've become tired and weary. Well, hey, this morning you are here in a good place. But I know this to be true. That's not your future. That's not what God wants you and it's not what we as a church want for you long-term. The first mode is survival mode. The second one is success mode. You know, you ask most Aussies, the great Australian dream is to be mortgage-free. To want to pay off my mortgage. I want a comfortable lifestyle. I want to retire early and I want to travel. I think I'm speaking to some people here this morning. I'm like, wow, that's the goal. That's your purpose. You're, you're working now hard in order to own your home, in order to live a comfortable lifestyle so that you can buy a caravan and go around Australia. Or if that's not your thing, maybe fly overseas and visit places. And, and when COVID's over, you're saying, man, I, I'm gone. You're not gonna see too much of me once COVID's over. And you're living in success mode and people look at you, wow, so successful. All the things you have and all the things you are doing. But this I know about success. If you live in success mode, eventually it leaves you empty. God didn't um, call us just to live a successful life. And again, if you're experiencing some of that, God bless you. That's not a bad thing, but it's not where God wants us to camp. God doesn't want us to camp in survival mode. He doesn't want us to camp in success mode. He wants us to be significant. He wants us to live a life of significance. And significance comes when you know who you are and you know why you are here. And I believe the great message of the church is that you can find not only who you are, but why you've been placed here on planet Earth. That we would use our God-given gifts for kingdom purpose. That's what this series is about. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, not that I have already obtained all of this. 
and am already perfected, but I press on. Now, Paul did a lot of great things. I mean, I know for many of you, Paul would be your biblical hero outside of Jesus. And that is deserving of all the things that he did. But Paul says, no, 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 I don't camp in my success. I press on that I may lay the hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me. And he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind. There's a word for some of us. We've got to let go of the past, forgetting the things that are behind us and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He says, I press, I press on. I've done a little bit of weightlifting in my time and I know what it is to press. And Paul says, I press And it takes some energy, isn't that right, Mick Roberts? It takes some energy to to actually press. And he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. This passage of Scripture is so rich. But can I turn our attention to one thing? And that is Paul's one thing. Paul says, but this one thing I do. I believe significance comes when we get things down to the priorities and things that matter most. You might wanna write this down, to become effective, or sorry, you become effective by being selective. You know, when you're young, you do a lot of things. We've got a 14 year old and, and she's involved in everything. She's uh, even at sports day the other day, she just did a little bit of everything and, and uh, she, likes, she has a lot of likes. And that's good because she's in the experimental stage. But, but our role as parents is to help her eliminate some things so that she becomes more effective. We don't want her just being busy. We don't want her just having hobbies. We don't want her just having fun. We want her to be effective. And so little by little, slowly but surely, things are going to peel off of her life. And that's the story of my life. Little by little, slowly but surely, things have fallen away in order that we might be more effective. And in order to be more effective, you have to become more selective. Each of my points today will have a question for us. And here's my question under this particular point. What's the one thing that's driving you? What's driving you? See, we're all driven by something. Is it guilt, resentment, anger, fear? materialism, comfort. Here's a big one, the need for approval. Is that what's driving you right now? Well, God wants us to be purpose-driven people. He wants us to be driven by His plan and His purpose for our lives. And that's where meaning and significance comes. He wants us to get past those things. And that's what I love about being part of the body of Christ is that God has the opportunity through His Spirit, and through people in our life to help us overcome some of those things that are driving us. And when we live a kingdom life, it brings purpose to our lives. It brings honour to God and it brings satisfaction to yourself. See, Jesus said it this way, and I love this in John chapter 17, verse four. He says, I have brought glory to you on earth. This is Jesus speaking to the Father. I brought glory to God, so glory to, I have brought you glory on the earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. There's something satisfying about finishing something. And when we have a plan and a purpose from God, it brings, and we fulfill that purpose, it brings glory to Him and it brings satisfaction to us. 
contrary to popular belief, God does not want you miserable. Paul was not miserable in jail. He was in jail, but he wasn't miserable. He's the God of comfort, not always the God of comfortable. And we need to understand that Paul wasn't necessarily comfortable, but he experienced the comfort of God in the midst of an uncomfortable season and an uncomfortable cell. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says it this way. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love Him, who have been called according to, here it is again, His purpose. How many times have we used this particular passage of Scripture out of context? All things work together for good. That doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do. All things work together for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. When we stick to His purpose, I pray that in this refresh season, as we push the refresh button on things that matter most, that we'd be a people that would see our kingdom focus increase. Secondly, I believe in order to live a purposed life, we need to identify our God call. Identify our God call. And I know Pastor Danny, this is one of his signature themes, finding our God shape for our lives. See, without God, life has no purpose. And without purpose, life has no meaning. One of the greatest tragedies is not death, but life without purpose. Life without purpose. Harold Kirshner, who was an American rabbi, said this, Our souls are not hungry for fame, comfort, wealth or power. Those rewards create almost as many problems as they solve. Our souls are hungry for meaning so that our lives matter and the world will be at least a little better for, having, for us having passed through it. That echoes what I'm trying to say here today. That echoes God's heart for every one of you. You want wealth, comfort, all those things. Actually, they can create more problems than anything else. What I find like the prodigal son, when we get what we want, we often don't know how to handle it. We don't know what to do with it. And God wants us to have purpose and meaning. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, a well-trod passage of Scripture says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are for plans for good and not disaster, to give you a hope and a future. That's God's heart for you, that you would have a hope, that you would have a future. I don't know if you know this or not, but God has a plan for you. In actual fact, God, before God planned the world, He had a plan for you. He planned you. You are planned by God on purpose, for purpose. And this is good news, that you've been created by God on purpose, for a purpose. And it's God's heart that you would discover that purpose. And it's our heart here at Victory to help you find that purpose. Our mission statement is simple that we exist as a church to connect people to God, to His church and to their purpose. We wanna help you discover your God shape and the purpose God has for your life. And all of these things uh, are available to us in Him. You see, we've all been created with a God shape. The Bible tells us that if you train a child in the way that they should go, they will not depart from it. And that passage of Scripture, and I know I've shared this many times before, is talking about a, a warrior looking for a bow and talking about a, a, a shape and a bend in a branch that would make for a good bow. 
And uh, if you think about that, you're not going to have a straight branch. You want one with a nice curve to make a nice bow. And so he's looking one with a right bend. And I want you to know every one of us, by God's design, is bent a certain way. We have certain likes, certain passions, certain desires. And God wants to couple that for His purpose. And so very quickly, and this is a whole nother subject, but just very quickly, when it comes to discovering our God shape and purpose, I would say, ask yourself this question. Number one, what do you like? What are some of your likes? Because I think these, when these three things line up, it helps us get to where God wants us to be. So number one is, what, what do you like? What do you like? And then the second question is this, what are you good at? And so it's, something I like doing is singing. Something I'm not good at is singing. And so that's not my best shape. Just answering those two questions helps me know what I'm good at and where I should be heading and what I'm not good at and where I shouldn't be heading. And so I love singing. I sing all the time, but it doesn't mean I'm good at it. And I think there's a lot of churches that are filled with people on stages doing things they shouldn't be doing because they're not either good at it or they don't even like it. How many kids are looking at it? Uh, people are looking after children in church and they don't like the kids. Well, I thank God we have an incredible team that actually love our kids. Your kids are being well loved and well looked after this morning. Come on, let's put our hands together for our kids workers. So what do you like? What are you good at naturally? And, and also, what do you develop? What, what are you, what are you uh, spending time, resource, effort and energy in getting better at those two things? Here at church, one of the ways we want to help you is by coming along to starting point and pointing you in the right direction and uh, just helping you with your God shape and your God gifts. So if you're new to the church and you haven't done starting point, which is coming up in a few weeks, we'd love you to get locked into that and help you find your God shape. Question, how clear are you about your God shape and your mission? Can I just say this? God's will for our lives always starts with a Yes. It starts with a big yes. Say yes this morning. Yes. yes. It starts with a yes. In other words, it starts with a willingness to do anything. I thank God for what I get to do today, but it didn't start here. My first assignment in church life was to go with my dad as he cleaned the church. I just got on the church cleaning roster and, and that's what I did. And we did it for a number of years, just cleaning the toilets. And, and uh, the church I belonged to had the ablutions block outside. And so I remember getting the hose, I'd just be squirting the toilets down and, and uh, getting in there with a scrubbing brush. That was my first assignment. Did I hear God? No. But I learned the value of just saying yes to whatever the need was. Yeah. Write this down. You need to embrace the now before you embrace the wow. Everyone wants the will of God. Give me the will of God. Wow me with God's will for my life. I think the wow comes out of being obedient in the now. And right now there's need in this church. We want to impact our community. In order to impact our community more, we need more involvement. We need more volunteers. And so every area of our life, our church is in need of more volunteers, more help. And if you're looking for the will of God for your life, don't look any further than putting yourself on a roster and getting involved in the now. Amen. And number three, we're talking about living a purposed life. Number three is simply this, invest in eternal value. Invest in eternal value. We've had the luxury over the years to go to a number of wonderful places and a number of wonderful holidays. 
And I never get, I was with my kids and we were just messing around and, and we had this key card and uh, had it in my pocket and there was, I was on a walk and, and there was this beautiful hotel and I saw that they had a swipe pad. And I said, hey kids, let's see if I can use my access key to get into this incredible six-star hotel. And uh, I was being egged on by my children. I said, yeah, let's do it, Dad. That'd be awesome. Imagine being able to get in. And <laughs> you're looking at me like, what? And, <laughs> and so I tried to use it, and guess what? I couldn't get in because I didn't have the right access key. I couldn't get in because I didn't have the right access card. And when it comes to our attorney, this is what I know. Most people say, ah, when I'm in heaven. When people die, you go to funerals. You can go to an atheist funeral and they all talk about heaven. They all talk about meeting, seeing them again. Everyone wants to get into heaven. We wanted to get into that hotel. We did. But I didn't have the right access code. I didn't have the right access key. Everyone wants to get into heaven. But there's a way. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says this. For we are God's fellow workers... And you are God's field. You are God's building according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. I laid a foundation and another builds on it. But let each of you take heed for no other foundation can be laid except that which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on a foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hail or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day it will declare it because it is revealed by fire and the fire will test each man's work. It says, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. You know, when it comes to us finding our purpose... You and I, as believers, are, as Paul calls it, God's fellow workers. We have a work to do. And we need to, at the beginning of this year, push the refresh button and start to live again before an audience of one. You know, I have a lot of precious near and dear people in my world. And I'm, I, I wouldn't be a human being if I didn't say I didn't want to impress them. But you know what? Sometimes in wanting to impress people can get in the way of living for God. And so I, like you, we have to come back and say, hang on, what's the most important thing? What's our priority? We need to live before an audience of one. You know, my dad has been, outside of Jesus, the biggest influence in my life, particularly in those early years. And I'll never forget a statement that my dad used over and over and over and over and over again. And it just got not only into my head, but into my heart. I saw him at his best. I saw him at his worst. I saw him struggle. I worked alongside him for 12 years. And on his worst day, he'd always land with this comment. Hey, Tony, in light of eternity, what's it matter? Hey, I, I, and he'd take off whatever he felt he'd put on me based upon what he was talking about. He said, hey, in light of eternity. And I know this to be true. In 50 years from now, most of us in this room, a good portion of us won't even be here on planet Earth. In 100 years from now, probably all of us won't be here in this room. 
And it's going to come down to, our eternity is going to come down to, what do we do here on planet Earth? What do we do? What do we do? See, this is what I know. According to the Bible, we all have to give an account to God. And from the Bible, we can surmise that God's going to ask us two crucial questions. And the first question God's going to ask us is this. Number one, what did you do with my son? What did you do with my son? I mentioned to get to heaven, there's an access. And the access isn't a number, it's a name. And that name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. I am the truth and I am the life. There is no other way to the Father. There's no other way to heaven. His name is Jesus. So God's gonna say, what did you do with my son? And for every born again believer who's laid down their life and accepted Jesus in their life, He's gonna say, come. And for everyone who says, I, 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 I rejected Him. I didn't wanna be with Him. And God is gonna give those people their wish an eternity away from what they didn't want to be with. See, God doesn't send people to hell so much as He gives them their wish, a life away from God. But I want you to know, I haven't been to heaven, but, but I know this. Heaven is better than our best day on earth. According to the Scripture, heaven is better than our best day and hell is worse than our worst day. So you think at your worst day, hell will be worse than that. Because in this life, even on our worst day, there's still a planet being prayed for and the love of God saturates this earth. But when you're away from God, you won't get that. And so the first question is, what would you do with my son? The second question is for those that have said yes to Jesus and it's this, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? How did you use the gifts and the talents that I gave you? And this is a challenge to me as it is the challenge to us that we would live a purposed life. See, the first question determines where we'll spend eternity and the second question determines how we will spend eternity. Will you stand with me this morning? It's good and right that we come at the beginning of this year and, and just push the reset button. God is not a party pooper. God is not wanting us to be miserable. No, He's wanting us to live effective, purposed lives. Because He knows when we live an effective, purposed life, it brings a satisfaction that no thing or no one else can bring. And so my heart for this church is that we would embrace a kingdom-purposed life. Father, I thank You I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You've called us. You've called us on purpose for a purpose. And I ask and pray right now that You would speak to us. We surrender afresh to You. We realise our gift to You is surrender. Your gift to us is salvation. Our gift to You is surrender. So come on church, right where we are, let's just surrender afresh to Him. Let's open our heart up to Him and say, God, Your will be done, not mine be done. Won't You come, Holy Spirit, and have Your way in this place. In Jesus' mighty Name. You know, the word I felt last week, knowing that I was gonna be sharing on this particular thought, was that we need to be a people that engage again. This is what I know about serving God. It gets tiring. It gets hard. 
It gets disappointing. Why? Because people are involved. The call is to help people. The trouble is it's people that hurt us. It's people that let us down. Contrary to popular belief, the church didn't hurt you. People hurt you. People let you down. God didn't, but it's people. And it's the precious people that God wants us to reach. And so as a result, left to our own devices. We get cynical, we get jaded, we get hurt, we get discouraged. And that doesn't make you a bad person, that makes you a person, a person in need. And I believe God by the power of His Holy Spirit this morning wants us to re-engage in Kingdom purpose again. And He wants to help us by giving us a fresh touch, a fresh power of His love, grace, mercy, right here, right now. Pastor Kath did a brilliant preach last week about making room and she spoke about the Shunammite woman and this woman made room for the man of God. And as a response, he said, what can I do for you? And he says, you will be with child. And her response surprises me as I'm sure it does you. She says, no. She said no to the man of God. And I think, why did she say no? And I think she said no because her heart had got so caught up in the disappointment of previous desires to have a child. She settled, I'm not gonna do this. And so she was living healed. I realised I'm gonna be a woman without child. And she settled it and she was healed. But God is saying, no, I want you to stir your faith. And maybe this morning you're hurt, but maybe some of you have actually got past the hurt and you're living healed, but you're not living in faith. And I believe God wants you to step out in faith. You see, there's a difference between being faithful and full of faith. And I believe some of you are living the faithful life, but you're not living the full of faith life. And God is saying by His Spirit, He wants to strengthen you to step out again and step into God's plan and God's purpose for you. He wants you to re-engage again. And so in this season where we reset our priorities, I'm trusting for a fresh passion, a fresh desire, a fresh life and a fresh love for us to step into right now, that we may live for something bigger than ourselves, that we may live for someone bigger than ourselves, that we would live for His glory and not our glory, but that we would make room right here, right now. So come on, can we as a church respond in this place open up our hearts and engage with His plan and His purpose this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 